0: is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The first reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23. This portion of scripture is the basis for the sermon today. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying And scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Pontius Pilate thought it was funny. Well, more like sick humor. What a hoot for him to take a poke at those religious fanatics who had been banging on his door early that morning, demanding the execution of a man who, in Pilate's not-so-humble opinion, simply spoke in riddles and was basically harmless. Harmless. We Romans have allowed you Israelites self-rule for the last 100 years, and you have had your Herods, but you keep clamoring for a royal so you can have this beaten, broken, battered, traveling teacher. Here is your king. If someone stopped you on the street and asked, how does a king function, what would you say? Would you talk about power, might, and influence? Would you describe a king as leaning toward leniency or toward tyranny? God used kings to rule the nation that he designed and created in order to bring the Savior into the world. Many of you know that King David was the best God intended the kings of Israel not only to be rulers in every sense of the word, but also to be spiritual shepherds. And with David, now there was a shepherd king. Under his leadership, the armies of Israel won more battles than at any other time in history. Under his spiritual guidance, the people of Israel worshipped the Lord with more sincerity than at any other time in their history. But 350 years later... When Jeremiah dictated this message, the scene had changed. The shepherd kings of Israel had put the people of Israel on a disaster road. Basically loaded them onto a semi careening without brakes down a mountain highway. Where would the people of Israel get any comfort? Where were they going to get help? How would they be able to survive if an enemy army attacked? In the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this mess, in the midst of this tragic scene, God sent the prophet Jeremiah with a message that still comforts us today when it feels like our life is packed into the trailer of a semi racing out of control into our lives when we're in the middle of a hard day and it seems like it will never end. In the 23rd chapter of his book, which I read from the lectern, Jeremiah proclaims, Here is your king. If you were reading the history of the nation of Israel for the first time, you might hope that the shepherd kings in Israel that followed David would pick up where he left off, enjoying a close personal relationship with God, tending to the spiritual needs of the people, fighting battles under God's direction. But the scene turned out to go... 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Out went dedication and devotion to God. In flew immorality, injustice, idol worship. The shepherd kings of Israel drove the lambs and sheep of God away from God's pastured promises. With very few exceptions, almost every one of those kings took a backward step away from God and a downward step deeper into sin. Jeremiah even described those kings as ambitious, bloodthirsty, greedy, vain tyrants. No wonder, no wonder God spoke through Jeremiah and said, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. Therefore, this is what the Lord says to the shepherds who tend my people, because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them. I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done. Jeremiah had the unpleasant task of unloading that announcement right under the noses of the kings and in the ears of the people, and his prophecy came true. When God said, that's it, that's enough, I am done with these wicked rulers in Israel, he wasn't kidding. God allowed the Babylonian army to roar through the land like a buzzsaw. They not only deported skilled workers and tradesmen, they not only raided the national treasury, they not only destroyed the capital city, but they also cut off the family tree, the royal family tree of David. No more shepherd kings. The royal family tree of King David was a dead, lifeless stump. But the question that you and I need to ask is, what does God's judgment on the ancient kings of Israel have to do with us today? The answer is, nothing. Nothing if we have never taken God's goodness for granted. Nothing if we have been in the role of a husband and have imposed our will on our wife as though we are more important. God's judgment on those wicked kings means nothing if we have the role of spiritual leaders in the congregation and have never given the impression, my way or the highway. It means nothing if we have the spiritual welfare of children under our responsibility as parents and have always demonstrated the Lord's love with selfless love to each other. But if we have ever moved our agenda ahead of others or even ahead of God's, then hear the word of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. God does not mess around with shepherd leaders who fall down on the job or who neglect their duties. In fact, God threatens spiritual leaders and actually all sinners who fall short of what he demands. He threatens sinners with the horror of his anger. And I don't know about you, but that scares my socks off. But the Lord God has a reason for unloading this announcement of threats and judgment. He's setting the stage for a remarkable miracle. A miracle that we would consider non essential unless we really believe and know that without it we would be like front lawns and flower beds without rain the lord said the days are coming when i will raise up to david a righteous branch when we moved into our home several decades ago there was a tree stump in the backyard There it sat, more gray than brown, lifeless, dead. Nothing was going to grow out of that dead stump. Nothing could. Eventually, we had someone dig it out. Who would ever believe that life could come out of a dead stump and not just a little sprig of green, but a mighty muscular branch? Both Mary, Jesus' mother, and Joseph, his not biological but legal father, were descendants of King David. And so by birth and by legal right, Jesus is the righteous branch that comes from the dead stump of King David's royal line. That's the miracle. And not just a little tiny sprig, but a mighty muscular branch he is at that. With an even more wonderful descriptor, descriptor, a righteous branch, a pure and holy branch. The Lord said, I will raise up a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely. Why is that such a big deal? Well, to reign wisely doesn't just mean to act with intelligence, but to bring prosperity and success. This is the fulfillment of God's miracle promise And a branch would come out of a dead stump of David's royal family tree. Where the shepherd kings of Israel failed, Jesus succeeded with the heart of a shepherd. He knows what we need, and with the power of a king, he can give what we need. Splashed across all four gospel accounts in the New Testament is evidence of Jesus' compassionate heart to function as our shepherd king, caring for people, binding up wounded bodies and souls, listening, leading, helping, healing. So where do you go for healing when you're hurting in your life. This coming Friday, right here at Grace Church in this worship space, we're going to have a memorial service. One of our members who passed away, and all the family and members uh, of the family and friends will be rejoicing because he's in heaven. How do they know that for sure? Because the shepherd king gave him eternal life at his baptism, and now has given him perfect life in glory. Where does healing come from? When the virus of discontent and disappointment infiltrate a relationship, it comes from the shepherd king's forgiveness. Where does healing come from And we desire oneness and unity in the congregation, but it seems as though all the different opinions about pandemic protocol, protocols have been pulling us apart. We go for that unity f- to the shepherd king and the oneness and trust that we have in him alone given to us by the Holy Spirit. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, identifies him as the righteous branch, pure and holy, who reigns wisely. But in addition to that, who will rule with justice and righteousness. He'll establish justice and righteousness in the land. That means he covers us and our wayward wandering as lost sheep. He covers that with his righteousness and was willing to be slaughtered on a cross so we aren't slaughtered in hell. That's Jeremiah's message for people who had their socks scared off by God's threats. That's Jeremiah's message for you. Here is your king raised up for you. But what happens when it feels like our lives are packed in the trailer of a semi careening out of control down a mountainside? What happens when we're in the midst of a hard day that seems like it'll never end? God adds this promise. I myself will gather the remnant, the remnant of my flock out of all the countries. After the Babylonians had swept through the land of Judah and destroyed it and then taken the people to their country, it seemed as though the nation of promise, holding the promise of the Savior, it seemed as though that nation was going to disappear and many of them forgot about the Lord but God had not forgotten about them nor had he forgotten his promise to keep a remnant of believers and believe me that word remnant gave goosebumps to the people who were paying attention. Sure enough, 70 years later, a handful of wayward but worldly people did indeed return under God's guidance to re-establish the temple and the city of Jerusalem and the, the nation of Judah, and enjoyed peace and relief from oppression, at least for a time. I say at least for a time, because God's promise about a remnant wasn't primarily about the physical gathering of Israelites, but it was looking beyond to God gathering all true Israelites into his spiritual family. That's what's embedded in Jeremiah's message. In his days, in the days of this righteous branch, when he will flourish and reign and give righteousness and payment for sin, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. The ancient nation of Judah and territory of Judah and nation of Israel are long gone. But a remnant remains. In the New Testament, the Bible writer tells us, if you, if you belong to Christ, Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs. That means the Lord has raised up his righteous branch so that you will be saved and live in safety. But, Pastor, what if I get scared from a bullet zipping by from somebody's road rage? What if I keel over of a stroke? What if my kids get sick? The answer to that is the same as Jesus gave to his first followers. All those traumatic experiences and all that trouble in our life comes as a way to remind us this is not our permanent home and drives us to look to our king for rescue and to see his shepherd heart in action. That no matter what happens in our life, no matter what terror or chaos around us, no matter if we feel like we're in this semi careening down a highway and our life is just blowing up, no matter what, the shepherd is keeping our souls safe in his arms. For eternity. How about that? To renew our spirits. Jesus, that great shepherd king, makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our souls. He guides us in paths of righteousness. And even if we seem to be attacked, by people around us who give us flack. He sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with the oil of joy, and our cup of blessings overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here is your king who brings renewal, even in the darkest of days. There are folks who grew up in a country with royalty, and they are quite familiar with what kings and queens do. We Americans are at a bit of a disadvantage in that regard. How do kings and queens function? But what if you ended up living in a country with a king? What kind of king would you want? Well, it might be hard for you to actually verbalize and describe that, but what if what if your eternal well-being, what if your eternity hinged on having the Not just a king, but the perfect king. Good thing we don't have to search and hunt for one. Here is your king. He's our Savior, Jesus. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.